of God's Word as we read it publicly. And uh, if I might indulge myself just for a moment and say a very special happy birthday to a very special girl, uh, Sophia, my granddaughter, is one years old today. And so, uh, happy birthday, Sophie. You will not remember that, but I want to tell you anyways, I love you. And uh, I always used to laugh at people. Everyone always told me the joy of being a grandparent. And I thought, yeah, yeah they're just overemphasizing that. No, they're not. If I knew it was this much fun, I would have encouraged it a long time ago. But anyways, uh, we rejoice in the Lord and we thank God for Sophia. Uh, Romans chapter number 12 and verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches... In teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Father, we thank you for your, just your amazing and wonderful grace you have bestowed upon us. The very breath we breathe is because you breathe the breath of life into us. May our hearts and our minds, our, thaw, our thoughts and our adoration be drawn to you. You are our all in all. And we adore you. Speak to us through your word. Open our eyes and open our understanding and open our hearts that we might receive your word. It might change us and make us more like Jesus. Oh Lord, we love you and we worship you. I pray for your strength and your help and your power this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. We've been studying Romans and up to prior to Romans chapter 12, we went through a lot of doctrinal content. And doctrine really is not useful unless it's put to use in your life. We come to Romans chapter 12, it's extremely practical. Last week we learned that we have to present ourselves to the Lord at His disposal. And that we are not to be conformed into the image of the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then Paul's going to show us what that looks like. I call it a Romans 12 Christians. And if you hear me talking about that, I'm getting that from this passage of Scripture. What does it mean to be a Romans 12 Christian? Well, it means, first of all, you're surrendered. And that you're being, your mind is being renewed day by day. And you're seeking to be 
transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are other, other oblig- implications in this fellowship amongst us. A Romans 12 Christian is a Christian that's serving the Lord. I'm, I'm not mean, I'm not being arrogant when I say this, I'm telling you the truth. If you're a Christian you're not serving the Lord, you will not have joy, you will not have peace, you will not experience the things that God wants you to experience. He did not save us just merely to take us to heaven. That's where we're going when we die. But along the way, we're being conformed into the image of Christ, and we have become the body of Christ, which means we are His hands. We are His feet. We speak on His behalf. And God wants us to serve Him. And if you're going to be a Romans 12 Christian, and you're surrendered to the Lord, you cannot be surrendered to the Lord and not serve Him. If you don't want to serve Him, don't surrender yourself to the Lord. Stay in your misery. But I'm telling you, if you want to have joy unspeakable and full of glory, the Bible says, then you're going to want to do something for the glory of God. And that's what this passage is. Use your gift. Everyone that is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ has at least one spiritual gift. That is a, by grace an endowment that God gives us to do what He's called us to do. Every one of us. And by way of saying that, I have to say this. Each one of us will be accountable unto the Lord when we stand before Him of how we used our spiritual gift. Most people like a challenge. Most people like to be challenged. They like to do something that requires them to think, that requires them to put forth an effort, something that really challenges them. Whether it be in their careers, whether it be in their hobbies... But, ladies and gentlemen, we don't understand in the church that we need to be challenged. We need to have our faith stretched so that we grow. And we need to be active. And I know that we are facing a spiritual battle today that most of us have never experienced in our life. We had this pandemic, and I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be another one coming, and there's going to be another one coming, and another one coming, because the Bible said the closer we get to the end days, the more pestilences are going to arise. You better expect it. And we have to seek the Lord. I'm reading a book now called Intimacy with God. And the first chapter, the whole summary of the chapter was this. If you want to be close to God, you can be. But if you want to be close to God, it's up to you. God says, draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw nigh unto you. You make the first move, believers. He's talking to believers. And if you want to serve God, you can serve God. We do what we want to do. Preacher, I don't have time to come down and serve. We're getting ready to start painting um, uh, vacation Bible school sets, and we're getting ready to start doing this so that we can bring kids in and share the gospel. And we'll be able to find every excuse in the world not to come down and use our spiritual gift. We'll be able to find every excuse in the world. But I just wonder, I just wonder, and I think about this. 
I just wonder when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, if all of this meaningless stuff that I have I've invested in, I've done all this to do on this earthly kingdom here that I'm building, if I'll even give thought to that when I see Jesus. Absolutely I won't. All that will matter is Jesus Christ and what's been done for Him. I was taught this early on in life, and you've heard it many times in a Baptist church. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And we've moved away from that. We are a very uh, emotionally driven, need-it-now society. And we're being forced upon that into the, in, into the religious realm as well. We want to hurry up. We want drive-by sermons. I think it was Charles Stanley that said we want sermonettes for Christianettes. But Paul says, listen, you and I can serve the Most High God. Have you ever been around a name dropper? Well, I know so-and-so. I know so-and-so. Well, you know what? You and I know Jesus Christ. Trump that, buddy. I remember, I shouldn't have done it, but back when one of the people I know was bragging about having Batman and uh, someone else at church, they said, hey, we had this, this, this at our church. And I shouldn't have done it, but I couldn't pass it. I said, well, we had Jesus at our church. Um, But listen to me. Service to the king should be our number one priority. We moved away from that. I can remember as a child, if something were going on at the church, it didn't matter if they were pulling weeds. We were there. I did not have to ask my parents where we stood on that. I knew where we stood. And as the years go by and the time goes by, we've moved away from serving the Lord. We know nothing about sacrifice any longer. And I think Christianity is suffering because of it. Do you realize that some, some 1,000, 1,500 years ago, men were being burned at the stake for their devotion to Christ? Do you understand how excruciating, how horrible of a death it would be to be burned live at the stake if we get a Sunday morning attendance hallelujah we've done something for Christ notice he says in verse 3 for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you it's in the whole fellowship of the church he's not singling out one person it's everyone in the church not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Your service to the Lord Jesus Christ begins with humility. Genuine humility. Where you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Well, if I don't do this, it won't get done. Your, one translation says you're really not that good. It's what it says. It says, don't think more highly of yourself because you're really not that good. It begins with humility. In this day where we're clamoring for attention, in this day where 
Everything is done to draw attention. Do you know that some of these people are saying these people, that these young guys that shoot up mass killings, you know what the number one drive of it is? They get attention. Nobody noticed them. And now everybody's talking about them. What a horrible way to get attention. And we feed this craze in our land. We ought to start teaching surrender. We ought to start teaching sacrifice. We ought to start teaching humility. That's what we need. And he says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But to think soberly. Soberly means with a sound mind. He's not talking about the absence of, of alcohol. He's talking about a sound mind. We don't think. When I was a teenager and preteen, the, my dad would tell me all the time, son, you don't think. I don't know if you're a preteen, teenager, if you really can think. It's just maybe programmed that way. But you don't think. And when it comes to church matters, we don't think about the things of the Lord anymore. We don't think about. But he says, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now look here. What he is saying is, now please watch this. God has given you a spiritual gift, but he has also given you a measure of faith, which means he's given you just enough what you need to do what he is going to require you to do. It's interesting. God gives you a job to do, and then he gives you the power to do it. And then he rewards you when and actually he's the one that did it all. That is a no-lose situation. And he has given everyone a measure of faith. He has given you just what you need to serve in the area he's called you to serve. Look at verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, you look around. There's many members, and there's great diversity. And may I say there's great diversity in the church. If you come to Revelation chapter 7 and you read in there, there is an innumerable amount of people in heaven rejoicing from every kindred, from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. It's, a, it's, it's diverse. And we in this are one body, but all the members do not have the same function. That word function is uh, it's a funny word. It's translated in the King James office. In the New King James and some of the newer translations, it's translated function. But if you were to break down that word, it actually means deeds or work. Now let's think about that. Let's read that together. For we as have many members, there's all of us in here, but one body. But all the members do not have the same works or deeds. God's not called everybody and equipped everybody to do the same thing. And what I lack, he's given you so you can make up. And what you lack, he's given me so it, the body functions properly. But here's the thing. Many a time, someone says, well, you know, what about so-and-so? And they get to do this, and I have to do this, and this, listen. You know, I want to be like that guy. Stay in your lane, bro. You seen that commercial where the guy's getting a tattoo and he's telling him how to do a tattoo? He says, no, stay in your lane, bro. Jesus and Peter, and has, Jesus has restored Peter there on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Peter looks at John and says, well, after Jesus told him that he's going to die, Peter looks at John and says, well, what about him? And Jesus says, well, what about him? It's not your business. Stay in your lane, Peter. 
You serve in the area to which God has called you to serve. Why? Because someone can't make up your function. He gave you that position so you could do it. And when you don't do it, you leave a hole. And he can't necessarily, he could if you want to, he's God, but there may not be someone else that has that gift. So, there's many of us, but not all of us are called to do the same thing. Verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now here it is. How many of us talk about, have heard in all the Baptist churches all the time about unity, 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 right? I mean, we used to have, when we, re- we had a business meeting, we'd read, you know, Psalm 133.1, how blessed it is to dwell together in unity. But do you know that the church cannot have genuine unity unless everyone is doing what God's called them to do? Now, you might have pockets of unity, but as a church as a whole, cannot be united if everyone is not doing what God has called him or her to do. And he says we're members one of another. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. I, I'm desperately trying not to be critical anymore. I have a critical spirit. I confessed. I'm recovering of a critical spirit. I wonder why people do the stupid things they do and then worry, wonder if the outcomes are what they are. And I really struggle with that. And I, I'm trying to become more like Jesus where I just none of my business. I'm just going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to help them. And I'm going to leave all the results to the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I there? Absolutely not. Do I want to be there? Sometimes. I'm just trying to be open and honest with you. But I'm trying to get there. Why? Because we belong to one another. And listen, God cares how you treat each other in this church. It matters to God how we treat each other in this church. Well, pastor, I shouldn't have said that, but I just got up on the wrong side of the bed. We'll go home, get back in bed, and get out the other side. We have to understand that we belong together and that we should encourage each other to use the gift that God has given you. Enough of this kingdom building here, or uh, earthly kingdom building here, where we make a name for ourselves and we're better than everybody else. Fooey on that stuff. Jesus Christ is Lord. It's His kingdom. Let's get involved serving Him in His kingdom and leave all the results to Him. Let's encourage each other Let's encourage each other. Use your gift. You say, well, I don't know my gift. You can find your gift if you want to find your gift. But you can't just sit down and watch TV all day and be on the Internet and never open your Bible and never pray and expect God's going to go, Boop, there's your gift. Verse 6, having then gifts differing, not everybody has the same gift, differing according to the grace that is given to us. It's according to God. God gave you that gift. If you've got a problem, you take it up with Him. We have a new complaint, complaint department here. It's called prayer. When you want to complain, complain to Jesus. Talk to the Father about it. Lord, I don't want to do this. You gave me this gift and I don't like it. Well, talk to Jesus about it. Ask Him to change your heart about it. Notice what He says there. Verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Not a suggestion, a command. Do it. Use your gift. If it's prophecy, 
Let him prophesy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. If you're a teacher and you have the spiritual gift of teaching and God's given you that, listen, you don't have to download things from the internet. Get alone with God. Get the Holy Scripture book out and get in the book and God will give you a message to teach. But we don't use our gifts. You see, we have become quite able to preach and to sing and to teach and do all these things in the flesh. But we're missing the power of God. We're missing God really making an eternal impact. Jonathan Edwards, when he read, and he read, he had pot bottle glasses. He had horrible eyesight. And he would write out his sermons, and then he would sit behind the desk and read his sermons to the congregation. And it is said when he read the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, that people were literally lying in the floor, clutching the pews, crying out to God, thinking that they might at that any moment descend into hell. Howard Hendricks said this, If the Holy Spirit is present, it doesn't matter who's preaching. If the Holy Spirit is not present, it doesn't matter who's preaching. What he was saying is, it's the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. And when we understand that God's given us a gift, and we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill that gift, God's going to do some things. But if He don't, that's His business. We still are responsible for in His Spirit and His power, using the gifts He gave us, we need to do that. Now, let me just say this. Verse 8. I want to say this. That was all introduction. How are we going to do this? Because you hear the preachers all the time telling you wrong, you do all this, but they never tell you how to do it. How are we going to do this? Look, he gives us this little nugget here in verse 8. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I would say this. This word liberality in the King James is translated simplicity. In the, in the New King James, it's translated liberality. I struggle with this because when I look up the Greek word, the Greek word, and then sometimes it's lost in translation, and I've studied the Greek, and I do all this, and I tell you the God's honest truth, sometimes I'm perplexed, I'm confused. The Greek word actually means this. It actually means with a singleness of mind. I don't know where liberality came in. I don't know if they're trying to link it with giving and only giving. But it means singleness of mind. Of mind. Now, I find this fascinating because there's three words in this text that apply to every gift. And if you're not careful, you will only apply it to the gift he attaches it to because you think, well, if he's talking about giving, well, then it's liberality. If he's talking about leading, it's with diligence. If he's talking about mercy, it's cheerfulness. But let me ask you a question. If you have the gift of teaching, should you not do that with a single mind? Should you not do that with diligence, with haste? Should you not do that with cheerfulness? Yes, you should. These apply to all the gifts. And the point is, he's given us a little three-point outline of how we can utilize our gift. The first way is with a singleness of mind. I have to be focused upon the gift that God's given me and use it. 
Now, you don't have to do that. And you say, hey, my life is just fine. I don't need to do this. I'm getting by, and everything's great. Fantastic. I'm not going to hound you. I'm not Holy Spirit Junior. I'm just a preacher. My job is to give you the information, and you do with it what you want. But those of you that want true joy, those of you that want to move from the, the lethargy and from the, the uh, mundane things of this life, use your gift. With singleness of mind, go after it. God's given me this gift. I'm going to do this. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to, I don't know what gift I have. I will help you. But I would tell you this before I help you why don't you start taking some time and start crying out to God and ask Him, God, show me my spiritual gift? Show me my spiritual gift. Why don't you pray as hard for that spiritual gift as you do that next home or that vacation or that car or any other thing earthly you want or need? Why is it we can be so earnest in the physical things that we think we need versus the spiritual things that we absolutely need? Why is it we can pour out all of our heart and go to people and seek counsel and do everything in the world when we're seeking to get something materially and neglect the spiritual? We never even call on the Lord and ask Him. You see, singleness of mind is, Lord, I want you to show me my spiritual gift, and I want to use it to glorify you. I'm going to focus on that. I'm not going to worry about what this Christian's doing over here. He's got his own spiritual gift, and he needs to worry about that. I'm going to get on board with you, God, and I'm going to do what you want me to do, and I'm going to find out what it is that you've gifted me to do, and in your power, I'm going to do it. We need that kind of resolve today. Secondly, with diligence, with haste. Diligence means haste. It means let's get it done. We sure talk an awful lot about praying in churches, don't we? We sure talk an awful lot about praying, and we do far less praying than we do talking. What if we stopped talking and started praying? What if we did and started making haste when it comes to praying and comes to serving the Lord? We did it with diligence. What if we got in our heart that we couldn't rest until we did what God asked us to do? He said, well, I don't know what God asked me to do. Well, don't you think you ought to find out? He who leads, lead with diligence. If you're going to serve the Lord and He's given you this gift, why not make it hasty? Think about this. What if you knew, you knew you were going to die next Friday? And next Saturday morning, you were going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account of that spiritual gift. Would you not say, uh-oh, look at all the years I've wasted. Man, I better get busy. I'm going to work seven, hour, uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm going to get as many rewards as I can when I go meet Jesus. And hopefully he'll forget all that back there. Of course we would. But you know the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, knows everything you look at, everything you, everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you think. Lord, help us. Lord, help me. If we knew, wouldn't we be more diligent? One who was dying for his faith in Christ as he was dying, he said, my only regret is that I have only one life to give for Jesus. Are you kidding me? I was aggravated when I went five days without the internet and TV. I'm serious. My wife thought she was going to have to give me counseling. And I think, and then the electric went off the other day. 11 hours without electric. Man, I was like, you can't tell me that AEP and all this they got, they couldn't fix this electric. 
And I'm, I'm acting like a child. And yet people around me, all around me, are dying and going to hell, and I could care less. I've got my electric. I'm happy. There's work that needs to be done around the church, and you know what? I don't have internet. I'm pouting. How about cheerfulness? I've got to go down to the church, and no one else is going to do it. I might as well go do it. Hey, got your reward, didn't you? Look at that. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it, God. Really? Can you imagine Jesus Christ going across? I'm going to have to die for you, Gene. Good grief. I mean, think about it. But is that not what we do to him? Is that not what we do to him? Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you invited someone to come to church or invited someone to come to Christ? Some of us in this room could tell you who played in the World Series in 1971. Their batting average. And any other stat you want to know, but they can't tell you the six things the Lord hates and the seventh is an abomination. Yet we look at the world and we talk about how evil and wicked the world is. When we have been gifted with a divine gift from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus Christ himself and God the Father has given us this divine gift to serve him and the powers available to serve him and we just ignore it. If I'm ever, if you're ever going to be a Romans 12 Christian, and let me just say this, Romans, the term Romans 12 Christian came from Chip Ingram, who is a, one of my favorite Bible teachers. I have about 100 favorite Bible teachers. But he's one of my favorite Bible teachers, and he calls it that, and I latched onto that, and I borrowed that from him. But I want to tell you this. Shouldn't I... If God, in His grace, has given me a spiritual gift, He knows my name. And He knew what He wanted me to do before the foundation of the world. And He called me, and He equipped me, and He has given me this gift. And if He has given me this gift, shouldn't I do it with singleness of heart? Singleness of mind? Shouldn't I do it hastily? Shouldn't I do it diligently? Shouldn't I do it cheerfully? You all laugh at me when I tell you to go out here and smile when you go out. You know why? Because people walking up and down the road, driving up and down the road, they see people coming out of church, and they see them coming up, and they think, I don't want to go there and be miserable with them. You ask people who work in the, uh, the uh, serving industry in the restaurants, they'll tell you they dread Sundays because the church crowd comes in and has more demands and tips less than, any other, than the worldly people. And sometimes, I, you know, I wonder, where are all the cheerful Christians? Where are people who are happy they're saved? They used to sing a song, Happy Am I. I don't remember the words, but I'm going to try to sing it. But there was a song, Happy Am I. How many of you remember that hymn, Happy Am I? Yeah. We used to sing songs like that. And we used to be jubilant and happy and anymore. We're just so down and depressed and gloom. You know why? I think it's because we're ignoring what God's called us to do and what He's given us to do. And it's everyone else's fault. 
No, it's my fault. I'm not doing what he wants me to do. He has given us spiritual gifts. Let's use them. To my knowledge, there's not a bunch of fussing and fighting going on in this church. But if there is, stop it and use your gift. Quit picking on someone else. If they're using their gift and God's blessing them, praise the Lord. Encourage them. Keep it going. Get next to them. Hang out with happy people. Don't hang out with grumpy people. Because you will become grumpy. I'm not even looking at couples. I'm just keeping my face in the Bible. Really, I mean this. This is, if we, could you imagine what could happen if we all resolved in our hearts, I'm going to define my spiritual gift and I am going to use it for the glory of God. I'm going to use it. I am told this. I don't know this to be true, but I was reading an interesting article. How many of you know who Elon Musk is? Do you all know he's rich? Do you all know he owns nothing? He doesn't have a house. He gave everything he owned away. Got rid of it all. Because you know why? He found that all those things he had weighed him down. Oh, there's a sermon coming. You know what the Bible says? Lay aside every weight and the sin. The sin is a definite article. It means one sin is talking about the sin of unbelief. Lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. We become so attached to the world and the things of the world, we have stopped serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We stopped serving. When I was growing up, I grew up in a church. It was a good church. There were some things that were, they were very strict. There were some other things that weren't so good. But the people had a desire to serve the Lord. I'll never forget, there was a woman, Mama Jean, Jean Lewis, everybody called her Mama Jean. And we picked up on, on buses, we ran buses. And they brought in a, a, a gal on the bus that had uh, some... Um, learning disabilities, she was special needs, and her, her family life was terrible, and she was dirty. And Dad and some of the other men talked to Momo Jean, and Momo Jean decided she was going to, we had showers there at the gym, bathe her. She would bathe her every Sunday for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Billy Nall. Billy Nall, oh my goodness. Billy Nall was in a car wreck. He was a Marine. He was a vibrant man. He had a car wreck. And as a result of the car wreck, he was in, in a, uh, a coma for I don't know how long. When he woke up, his hand was shriveled up and his one leg was stiff and he couldn't speak properly. If anybody's ever been to Abundant Life Baptist Church, you've got to kiss, visit or not. And sometimes it was on the lips by Billy. And it wasn't anything inappropriate. He just, the Bible said, greet one another with a holy kiss. And by gracious, he did. He'd have a bag of candy. And he'd hand candy to everybody. Kids came in. If I see him at the funeral home, I have to go back home sometimes. Prior, he's been not well lately. But when I'd see him, he'd pull out candy. I knew you were coming, he'd give me a bag of candy. It would be nothing to see him uh, at Abundant Life. We had a big parking lot, a big, long driveway parking lot out front there by the road, Route 7. There was an entryway. It was blacktop. To see him up there 
pushing a push broom, sweeping off the parking lot. He said, Pastor, can you give me your keys? I'm going to wash your car. He washed my car. And I'm like, Billy, you don't need to. No, 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 I'm going to wash your car. Where are people like that anymore? Where is, I mean, now if you do something for somebody, they, I mean, people expect to be paid for everything now. Use your gifts, guys. Use your gifts. We'll see a unity we've never experienced. And we can see God work in our lives. And we don't have to worry. We can quit opining about everything that's going on in the world. And let's start focusing on what's going on in here. What God wants to do in our lives. What God will do if we just surrender our lives to Him. Just surrender. Gideon, I want you to go. And I want you to defeat this army. But you got too many men. But Lord, they already outnumber us. You don't understand, Gideon. I don't want you and all your men to think you did this. I want you to know, and I want everyone to know, that this is the good hand of the Lord, Gideon. I want you to, and he whittled his men down to about, what, 300, I think? Is that what it is? I don't remember. And what did Gideon do? He went in the power of the Lord, and the Lord gave him that victory. God's not asking you to fight this battle alone. He's just asking you to use what he's given you in his power for his glory, and then he'll reward you. And if we're going to be Romans 12 Christians, then I think we need to get this singleness of heart. We need to quit playing games with the devil, quit arguing with the devil, just stand up and do what God's called you to do. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. Don't argue with him. Resist it. Sunday after Sunday, you're sitting here and you know you should surrender to do something for God, but you don't do it because, you know, well, I'm going to pray about it. And you don't ever pray about it. That's an excuse. How many times have we used I'll pray about it for an excuse? Anybody in here? Okay, there's three honest people. We've all used that. I'll pray about it. Well, listen, you and I are not guaranteed the next breath we have. There are people my age dying every day, people your age dying every day, people younger than us dying every day. And the question is, will we, all this doctrine that we've been spending time learning, will we put that use in our lives? Will we follow Christ? Will we surrender to Him and say, God, you've given me this gift. I am going to use it for your glory. Do you want to be right or not? That's the question. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, we love you. We praise you.